You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we are on now. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country and we respect and value their past, their present and their ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. For the new year beginning today, always a beginning. We light our chalice, symbol of faith, perseverance and hope, for beginnings that emerge out of endings, appear amidst continuity, become visible in hindsight. We light our chalice. Welcome to Unitarian House. No matter how you identify yourself, you're welcome here as long as you also respect the ethnicity, gender identification and preference of other people. If you affirm the inherent dignity of all and accept democracy and governance, it matters not whom you love or how you vote. My name's Jenny Dyster, the current president of the Committee of Management of the Unitarian Church of South Australia. And today's theme for this gathering is What's New? I've led New Year's services many times over the years and I've talked about Janus, the Roman god, looking backwards and forwards and New Year resolutions and I thought, I need a new angle, a new twist. You can't serve up warmed up leftovers at New Year. (laughs) So I consulted the Unitarian Universalist Hysterical Society page and came across a list of achievable New Year resolutions. I thought, that's novel. Achievable New Year resolutions. And then I read them. Get older. (laughs) Do stuff. Gain weight. Drink coffee. Try not to die. (laughs) Well, that's setting the bar a bit low, isn't it? On New Year's Day, we think of stepping into something new and leaving the old behind. So let's start with a story about a fortune teller. Helen Hall has agreed to read from The Devil's Other Storybook by Natalie Babbitt. For those of you unfamiliar with these stories, the devil is a mischief maker fond of excursions to earth. In about half the stories, he succeeds in creating mischief for humanity, but in the other half he's outsmarted by the wiles of people or animals, much to his chagrin. What's new? As children, many of us remember the thrill of getting something brand new, particularly if you weren't the oldest in the family or maybe the first of one gender after a string of the opposite. New clothes, as opposed to hand-me-downs or second-hand, have the advantage of no stains, 
no repairs, and they're often a bit more fashionable. It's not a universal preference. I remember my brother Neil hating new clothes, and he'd beg mum to patch the knees and elbows, which she did, but you can't do that forever. And he had to be tricked into putting on a new pair of strides or a sweatshirt. But there's nothing like the extra bounce and a brand new ball. And he did like a new matchbox car or a tip truck. But as we age and manage our own resources, we develop a, an appreciation for second-hand stuff, or we can be obliged to go for the cheaper option due to lack of funds. More recently, people have become aware of the environmental cost of the demand for new, 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 and the waste of discarding the old. Recycling has become a chosen option, a worthwhile and a fashionable habit. You know what happens if you don't recycle pizza boxes. At coffee yesterday, I was told the intriguing case of an internet troll whose arrest may well have come from a failure to recycle. His name's Andrew Tate. He was a former kickboxer and he rose to fame in 2016 when he was kicked off the British version of Big Brother. There was a video that appeared to show him attacking a woman. He went on to gain notoriety online with Twitter banning him, Facebook, TikTok, everybody banned him for saying women should bear responsibility for being sexually assaulted. His ban ended with Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. I have 33 cars, he said. My Bugatti has a blah, blah, blah. My two Ferrari competizioni have this and that. And this is just a start. Please provide your email address so I can send you a complete list of my car collection and their respective enormous emissions. Guess who he sent that to? Thunberg. After stewing on over it for a day, Greta Thunberg responded late Wednesday night. Yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. <laughs> How dare you? A humiliated Tate later wrote back, mocking her iconic catchphrase. And then he did a defiant Maucho video with himself smoking a cigar in an open robe, and person off camera gave him a stack of pizza boxes from the Romanian pizza chain Jerry's Pizza. He tried to joke about refusing to recycle the boxes to taunt Miss Thunberg. This confirmed, however, that they were in Romania. Andrew obligingly had left location on his mobile activated. So the police were able to swoop on the luxury villa to arrest them plus two Romanian nationals. The four suspects appear to have created an organised crime group with the purpose of recruiting, housing and exploiting women by forcing them to create pornographic content meant to be seen on specialised websites for cost. That was the statement of the Directorate for Investigating Organised Crime and Terrorism. Ms Thunberg had the last laugh, posting a tweet following Mr Tate's arrest saying, this is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes. <laughs> So what does your new year hold for you? Your comeuppance? <laughs> a tall, dark, handsome stranger? A pot of gold? Travel to a distant land. Shakespeare is said to have observed that there are no new plots and he certainly recycled what was available to create masterpieces. But rather than dipping into the bard, let me read a little Mark Twain.
This is his letter to Virginia City Enterprise, a newspaper in Nevada. Now is the accepted time when you make your regular annual good resolutions. Next week you can begin paving hell with them as usual. Yesterday everyone smoked his last cigar, took his last drink and swore his last oath. Today we are a pious and exemplary community. Thirty days from now we shall have cast our reformation to the winds and we'll reflect pleasantly about how we did the same old thing last year about this time. New Year's is a harmless annual institution of no particular use to anybody save as a scapegoat for promiscuous drunks and friendly calls and humbug resolutions. And we wish you to enjoy it with a looseness suited to the greatness of the occasion. Well, jokes and cynicism, no matter how lightly born, we cast these aside when we take steps to make changes in our lives. The holiday gives us time to pause and reflect. Change can take a lot of attempts and a lot of effort, but if we keep at it, it happens. Change for the better, that is. Change for the worse, I find, takes very little effort. Get older, do stuff, gain weight, drink coffee. Change does happen. It's never permanent, but it's more comfortable to anticipate a positive future than a negative one. Mary drew my attention to a story in the last beacon, which is the journal of the Melbourne Peace Memorial Church. It was about Martha Turner Webster. She was one bright cookie born in London and she finished off her education by studying for three years in Dijon, France, sharpening her intellect considerably. She came to Australia in 1870 to see her brother Giles, who lived in Melbourne. Now, at the time, the Unitarian Church had no minister. Now, it's not a situation we recognise, is it? <laughs> and Giles was part of a panel of lay preachers who took the services while they searched for another minister. Giles found the task of writing sermons onerous. It wasn't his area of expertise. He wasn't confident. Plus, he was a busy banker. So, you can guess what happens, can't you? Martha writes them for him. And when the need arose, she was delivering them as well. And in 1873, the congregation requested that she take on the role and be inducted as full-time minister. Now, women had only been members for the last 13 years and had only been allowed to be office bearers in the church for the last two years. She would be answerable to an all-male committee. She was not keen. But she accepted the challenge. She had a keen sense of humour and made sure she read the First Corinthians chapter 4, which includes the verse, shall I read it? Let your women keep silence in the churches. <laughs> <laughs> the novelty of her induction as the first woman minister in Australia drew a large crowd, including the press, who suggested that this was somewhat unusual. Her induction was covered by all the Melbourne dailies. It was said she was not a woman of fashion. One paper used it to take a general swipe at Unitarians, and the Argus, who were supporters of liberal thought, wrote, The preacher was plainly attired. Her manner is quiet, ladylike, perfectly self-possessed, and free from any demonstration of any kind. There is no obtrusive womanhood about her to urge the idea of sex and its special characteristics on your attention. Not one paper 
commented on the substance of her sermon. It seems that when it comes to women leaders in Australia, some things don't change. <laughs> Catherine Helen Spence, we've got in a portrait up here, was bowled over by her. She was the first woman I ever heard in the pulpit. I was thrilled by her exquisite voice, by her earnestness and reverence. I felt as I'd never felt before that if women are excluded from the Christian pulpit, you shut out more than half the devoutness that is in the world. I felt how much the world had been losing for many centuries. Now, not everybody found her devoid of obtrusive womanhood. And in 1878, age 39, she married a friend of her brother's. Brother Giles asked her to resign. How unseemly to have a married woman as a minister accepting a stipend too. But the congregation wouldn't accept her resignation and so it was she continued for another five years. Yet another barrier broken by those free-thinking Unitarians in Melbourne. So I leave you today with the question of what causes are precious to you? There are so many. Equality, climate change mitigation, social justice. We cannot each address them all. For which, then, do we renew our own efforts? What changes can we make for ourselves and for our families or the community at large? And this need not be an annual impulse to be visited 365 days hence. New Year's Day, after all, is not the one day of the year. We are not the centre of the universe. We're not the dominant culture or any such nonsense. We use the Gregorian calendar, but our friends the Orthodox use the Julian calendar. So their new year is happening in a fortnight, and uh, which would be great for those with short attention spans who can't keep a resolution. Well, this is your first chance to renew. Then Chinese New Year is on the 22nd, and you can't miss that if you live anywhere near a Chinese restaurant. Then in March, you've got Hindu New Year on the 22nd. And in the latter part of the year, New Year bobs up on the 19th of July for Muslims and the 15th of September for Jews. I will conclude with my wish for change. It's for something new, but not brand new. Really, for an old activity to be renewed. And that is monthly dinners for mixing with people of different faith traditions. That's an achievable wish for reaching out and for improving, but that's, that's my particular wish. So, Happy New Year, everyone. I'm going to use Anne Johnson's closing words. May the inner light of our own being shine freely, rightfully at one with the natural universal light of our world. May we receive the beauties of nature as gifts of a kind, blessings from a world outside ourselves, to the world within. We hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment 
or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.